Is that it? Yeah! Give it up for the Elevate Trauma Team. Have faith in God. All right, y'all. Let's turn up to our Bibles. John chapter 4, verse 43. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Everybody got your Bibles? All right. I want to give a Bible here to my, my peeps, my gente in the back. So I'm going to bring this back to them. Young brother, will you run this Bible back to them right here? Do that for me. I'll give you a shiny nickel. Thank you. Let them share right there. They, I don't care if they ain't raising their hands. Give it to them. Give the guy with the hood on. Right there. He's got it. Love you, my brother. All right, here we go. John chapter 4, verse 43. Tonight's going to be a short night, so we're going to leave around 11 o'clock. That's why that's I'm going to get done preaching. So you all got about an hour and 45 minutes. You look at your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. All right, John chapter 4, verse 43. Look at your neighbor and say, take him at his word. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to take him at his word. All right, all right, all right. Adolfo, run me up the, cl- the clicker, please. John chapter 4, verse 43. We are going through every verse of the Bible systematically in the book of John. Obviously, John chapter 4, 3, 2, and 1 are still on the website, metropraise.org. It is a place for you and all your people to be to check those things out. Thank you, my brother. And we are now going to talk today about the subject, take Jesus at his word. Today in our society, and as you as young people are getting taught in schools, first of all, that you're a monkey and you came from animals is a lie. That's evolution. You're being taught that. So obviously God is not being taught. And so another thing you're being taught is called rationalism, meaning if it don't make sense, it can't happen. Everything that has to believe or to be true has to be rational. They also call this humanism. So in the world today of professors and colleges, many of you will go to U of I and colleges like that. They teach you that God does not exist, that miracles do not exist. But that is a lie. See, the devil is trying to get you to think that all there is is this little can cantaloupe-sized brain that you have and just what you can do for yourself for 70 years. But somebody say the devil's a liar. And I want to tell you something, that not only was that the, is that the lie right now, but that was very similar to even back in Jesus' day. A lot of people stopped believing in miracles. They hadn't seen them for so long. And here comes Jesus, the miracle man, and he does a miracle, and it begins to blow people away. And if you were here last week, as we were talking about our people in Mozambique, they are seeing miracles. They are seeing uh, deaf ears open, blinded eyes healed. They're seeing people from polio get healed and come out of wheelchairs. I have seen seen miracles in my day. I've seen a lot of things that only God could do. And today I want to teach you all about how to take Jesus at his word. I know they're teaching you a lot of good in school, so listen to them. But it's like chicken, man. You've got to eat the meat and spit out the bones. You've got to learn arithmetic and all those things that they teach you about history. But when they start trying to tell you that you came from a monkey, that's not true. You were created in the image of God. You are a special person. And when they want to tell you, if you can't see it, don't believe it. That's another lie. I should have died. I was a high school dropout, incarcerated eight times. They never thought I would change. I did drugs, cocaine. And you know what? I didn't go 12 steps. I took one step to my man and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's been working all right now for about 12 years, you heard? Amen. And he's still doing miracles, man. God is on the move. So we're going to learn right here in the book of John about Jesus healing this Romans man's son. Now, Romans didn't even believe in the God of Israel, the Jewish God. And you're going to find out that Jesus was merciful to this man. 
man and blessed him. And that means God would do it for you. So look at verse 43. It says, after the two days he left for Galilee. This is Jesus. He left for Galilee. The other side of your announcements are your notes, so be following along. There was an answer to a question right there, by the way. After two days, he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the, at the Passover feast where they had been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. Remember, we all talked about turning water into wine. Jesus can change you. Amen. That's what we talked about uh, in that chapter. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When, he, when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judah, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. So everybody look up here. So Jesus is strolling along. He's going to Galilee. While he's in Galilee, he's there with his family, a centurion, or a Roman official, he's, a, he's in charge of the Roman military. He's like a sergeant for the Roman military. He's an official. He comes to Jesus, and he begs him. He says, Jesus, my son is dying. I know you can do a miracle. Come heal my son. That's what's happening. Now look at verse 48. Now Jesus rebukes the people and says, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. So I want everyone to look up here. See, real quick, see, a lot of people that were around Jesus were always doubting Jesus. A lot of people here today doubt Jesus. A lot of your teachers doubt Jesus. Professors in college doubt Jesus. And they say, oh, if I saw a miracle, I would believe. First of all, that's a lie because even after they see it, they still don't believe. I've always believe that in the heart of man they got to want to believe you see if they, if they tell you well if you do this this and this i'll believe no that's a lie they're just playing with you man because I've, I've shown them miracles I've, I've shown them things i remember i used to go out to uh the french quarter in new orleans they had voodoo and witchcraft out there and they would tell me that jesus was a lie and that 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 their witchcraft was more powerful and they would tell people's future some of it was a game but some of it was very real and i remember sitting at a table with one of these people and they had demons and evil spirits inside of them and i was shaking man i could just feel evil man and i could just feel it on them and i looked right at the woman at the table i said i rebuked the devil in you right now in jesus name and within a moment she was like what she like sobered up it was like she was drunk on those evil spirits man it was it was wicked and within a moment she was normal the devil the evil spirits in her had to leave and then all of a sudden she started talking to me and she gave her heart to jesus you see i've seen evil spirits leave people okay but the people around her, you think everybody would have been like, Woo, Jesus is real. They cursed me out, man. They wanted to fight me. They were angry at me because I had kicked out their spirits that were telling fortunes. So just because people say, I need to see a miracle, that's not right. Number two, Jesus don't want believers that only believe when they're in Disney World. It's like, man, when you go to Disney World, you just believe anything because it's make-believe time, right? Disney, Disney World has Mickey Mouse and Peter Pan. But see, Jesus is not here to prove himself to you every day. So a lot of times you guys come to church and you're like, man, if, if, if Jesus makes me cry, I'm going to believe in him. And all of a sudden you're like, I believe in Jesus because your heart gets touched or you feel the love of God. But then you walk out here and you're like, I don't feel Jesus anymore. Oh, I, I need to, I, Jesus, you need to make me cry. I need you to show me a sign or something. I need you to prove to me that you're real. See, 
Jesus is just not here to make you cry. He's just not here to take you off of drugs or even heal your body. Jesus Christ is here to live in your heart every day. Now think of it this way. Every day my dad's my father. He's my father right now. Even though my father's not here hugging me going, Oh, Tito, I love you so much. Guess what? I'm still my dad's son. And there, there are some times when I go home and visit, my dad hugs me and he loves me and I can feel his love. And those days are really great. But there's some days when I don't feel it. But guess what? He's always my father and I'm always his son. Now even though Jesus is in our heart sometimes you don't always feel him but he's still your god and you're still his child and you can't let things and feelings get in the way you have to decide i'm going to believe in that one who died on the cross no matter what i feel no matter what temptations or things come my way somebody say i okay so keep going verse 49 back to the royal official and jesus in capernaum of galilee all right the roman uh, the royal official said sir come down here before my child dies jesus replied You may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Everybody say, take Jesus at his word. Now say it like you ain't simpletons, but you mighty warriors for Christ, all right? One, two, three. Take Jesus at his word. Now if your neighbor didn't say, yell real loud in their ear. One, two, three. Take Jesus. (laughs) Y'all making me laugh. One, two, three. Take Jesus at his word. There you all go. Okay, there you go. That was fun. Screaming in each other's ears. Okay. When he inquired, now watch this. Oh, I, I skipped too far ahead. Keep going now. You all got excited. Just whoop, chill down. Okay, he took Jesus at his word. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. So now the man is heading back home, and people come up to him. Man, dude, your son is healed. Your son is up and about. He's eating some uh, Ibaritos, man. He just went to Borinquens, man. He's out here chilling on the street, man. And he's like, what? And then look at verse 52. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him at seventh yesterday, uh, yesterday at seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will leave. So he and his whole household believed this was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. Okay, so the first thing, Jesus goes back to his hometown. Question number one, where was Jesus' hometown? Somebody shout it out. All right, Galilee, all right? There you go. So where did Jesus go? He goes back to Galilee. Number two, a royal official's son is sick, and Jesus asks, or, and he asks Jesus to heal him. Let me see the questions. Uh, Sue Ellen, can you grab me an extra one, please? Thank you. What made this man so special? Who was he? He was a what? Everybody put down the royal official. Thank you. And what made him so special is that, man, this dude was a Roman. Now, I'm going to talk to you about that. Before, let me ask you this. Okay, number two, who came to Jesus looking for a miracle? A Roman official. What had made the man's visit so special is that Romans hated Jews. Jesus was a Jew. So imagine like this. Imagine you and I, let's say World War II, let's say Hitler would have won. Let's say Hitler would have won in World War II, and now Germany lives in America. Everybody's wearing swastikas. You and I are second-class citizens, and Germans get everything. That's what Hitler wanted to do, by the way. All of us. None of us are part of the Aryan race. All of us were dogs to him. After he killed Jews, he was going to kill African Americans and Latinos and Italians. I'm telling you, this guy was nuts. Okay? So imagine this guy, Hitler, 
He takes over America. He wins World War II. And we're living in Nazi-occupied America. These guys are pimping us. They take everything from us, like what they did to the Jews in Europe, they're doing to all of us. Now imagine today in church, all of a sudden a Nazi walks in. That's what it was like. Why was it so special? It's because this dude, who his whole nation hated Jews, comes to Jesus and begs him. Jesus! Jesus, man, my son, my son, my only son, he's dying. I've tried every doctor. I've gone to, I've gone to the Roman Empire. I've tried everything, and my son is dying. Jesus, please come with me. Come with me right now. Pray for my son. Heal my son, Jesus. Imagine a Nazi soldier hitting his knees right now, saying, y'all pray for my family. Pray for my family. My son is dying. Why did it make it so special? It's because this man was willing to leave everything. He was willing to die himself. He was willing to be a traitor to his nation to show up and talk to Jesus. We're going to get there and what that's going to mean to you in a minute. Number three, Jesus rebukes everybody because of their lack of faith, then speaks his word, the son will be healed, and sends the man home. You know what makes this so special? Is that when the man came to Jesus, he was trying to bring Jesus back to his house. Jesus says, man, I'm God. I got it like this. He's healed. That's it. This, the guy didn't even understand it. In another gospel, the man is like, whoa, what just happened? He tells more of the story. This, this man couldn't even understand. This, this miracle worker, we know he could, could, could do miracles, but now he don't even have to pray for you? He don't even have to touch you? All he has to do is just, it's done. I speak the word. Your son is healed. Go home. It's done. That was faith right there. This man takes Jesus at his word. And says, okay, I mean, he could have just believed a lie. Jesus could have lied to him. But he, the Bible says he takes him at his word and starts going home. And then people meet him and tell him, man, your son is healed. And that's why he asked him, well, what time did he get healed? He got healed at this time. And the man's like, oh, snap, what? That's when the dude told me he was going to be healed. Somebody say, Jesus is all right. Say, so he's all right. Look at that. Now, number four, the boy is healed and the whole family gets, gets saved. Now, you know you would want to be a Christian right then and there, right? You'd be like, whoa, I'm going to be a Christian. Like, this dude was sick. Your brother, baby brother jumps out of bed, slaps off the cast, and starts running around. And you're like, whoa, what just happened? Man, I just felt electricity go up through my body. And you know what? They knew that Jesus had healed them, and they were willing to believe. Now, let's go through this story one thing at a time. One thing at a time. Number one. Or rather, number four, what are you willing to leave behind? You see, when this Roman centurion came to Jesus, he was willing to leave behind his nation. He was willing to leave behind all the people that hated Jews, all of his friends, all the people that said, we hate Jews. He was willing to leave them behind. I want to ask you a question right now. What are you willing to leave behind for Jesus? As you turn in your Bibles, Matthew 16, 24, come on, everybody turn there. I want you to think about this. What are you willing to leave behind right now? Let's say right now you're not saved. You need to become a Christian. Are you willing to leave behind your game? Let's say right now your family is a different religion. Let's say your family is a different religion. Are you willing to leave behind your family? Oh, I've got to tell you some stories, guys. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, i got to tell you some stories today. i got to tell you about what some people have had to leave behind. Oh, yeah, i got to tell you 
about the church in L.A. that works with gangs. Because I know gangs are bad in Chicago, but it's even worse in L.A. It's just so many people, so many gangs. And when a person, let's say right here we got the Kings. This is probably New York City. Let's say one of these guys gets saved. There's a ministry in Los Angeles that they take the person out the gang. They get them saved. And they say, okay, you're a Christian now. You want to serve the Lord. Well, this is the deal we made with the gang, that anybody we get saved, they will let us keep them, and they can leave the gang. But you've got to get blessed out. And I've seen it on YouTube, pastor walking with the young girl, going in front of the gang, going, okay, here's the deal. You, you told me you would do this. If our people wanted to get saved, you would bless them out and leave them alone because they're not joining another gang. They're here to, to follow Christ. And I've watched it on YouTube, the pastor watching it right there, girl getting beat down, getting blessed out because she says, I'm going to serve Christ now. So are you willing to do that? See, if, if you're a tough guy and you're saying, okay, I'm going to follow Christ now, I will put nothing before Christ. I will put him first. I will not murder, cheat, or steal and hang around those who do. And it's your turn now to do that. Fellas, are you that serious about God? Are you that serious about heaven, and are you that serious about hell that you're saying, bless me out. I will take it right now so I can serve God with my people who want to go to heaven with Jesus. Tell you another story. In Sudan right now, it's Muslim run by Shari law. That means every single day from 5 in the morning till the time at night, they have five times of prayer. Bells go off. They have the big bells in the church houses and there's in the uh, mosque rather. And when those things happen in Sudan, everybody pulls out their carpet and they face east and they start talking about Alhamdulillah and they start praying in Arabic. So my friend's a missionary, Dick Brogdon, and he goes down there, and he's in Sudan, and he wears the dress like them. He looks like them. And you know what he does? He teaches them English because they can't have churches. It's illegal. And so while he's teaching these Muslim students like your age, teenagers, English, he starts to pray for them. Lord, I pray that you touch Muhammad. God, I pray that you touch these young people. Let them hear the words of God in my heart. Let them know that I'm here for them. And then he gets boldness. And you'll see the ones that are ready. He, he cannot do this. This is illegal. He can die and definitely get kicked out the country. But the people he's witnessing to, if they become Christians, they can die. They will die. They will, they will suffer death penalty. You all see on the news what happens when they just draw a mustache and make fun of Muhammad. Man, it is serious about this in these Muslim nations. Sudan. It's in Africa. And so he prays and he says, okay, I'm going to, uh, Jesus, I'm going to tell this young girl about the Lord. I'm going to tell her about you. Give me boldness. And one day he tells this young girl about God. She's about 14 years old. And, and, his, and in Jesus' name in Arabic is Esau. And the, in the Gospels, it's called the Injil. They have the Quran, but they also believe in the Injil, the Gospel. And he starts talking to her about Esau out of the Injil. And her eyes light up. She says, I was never told that. I was told that Jesus was just a prophet. I was never told that he rose from the dead. Let me read more about this. And so every time she would come to class, they would pull out the Bible and secretly start studying about Christ. And one day she says to him, pray with me. I want to be a Christian. Knowing that the moment she does that, she can suffer the death penalty. 
So she does. She, she accepts Jesus in that little school in Sudan, and she prays with him. And she's like about 14 years old. Then she goes home that day, and all of a sudden, and all the bells are going off. It's time for prayer. And, and mom and dad throw out the rug. Brother and sister pull out the rug, and they start facing Mecca. But she stands there. And that's crazy, man. You just don't do that. As a woman, A, and as a Christian, you just, just don't do that. This was crazy for that family. And they looked at her. Why won't you pray? Pray with us right now. She did not pray. They then beat their own daughter, put her in a closet, and starved her for three days. And beat her every single day. And said, if you do not change, we will kill you. You will die like a dog right here in this closet. She had only been a Christian for a few hours. But she was willing to leave everything behind, including this life. And then they said, to spare you of the death penalty, we will only disown you now. Because after three days, she wouldn't change. Now, just they said to spare her because they could have killed her. They said to spare you. We will only disown you. And she was kicked out of her house, never to see her family again. And she showed up at, at the missionary's house. And she said, I have, nowhere, I have nowhere to go. And he took her in. Are you willing to do that? You see, we get so caught up here with Beyonce smoking out, playing around with our girlfriend and boyfriends, that when we hear a story about somebody becoming saved or a miracle, we're like, ah, that would never happen. God would never heal me or do something like that. And you know why God won't do that in people's lives? A lot of you that are here is because you're not willing to have faith and give up everything. You see, God is looking for people that are desperate. God is looking for somebody on the inside that says, man, I'm willing to throw it all away. You see, when I came to Christ smoking and drinking all those things, I didn't say, Lord, I'm going to still smoke and try to do this, you know, my way, but you just help me out. No, I said, God, I'm desperate. If you don't get me off drugs, I'm going to die. You see, God is looking for desperate people. Are you willing to leave behind the things on this screen? How about the other things that come into our life? The things that maybe aren't as bad. Are you willing to leave behind your baseball career? Uh, Sports. Are you willing to leave behind a big house? Are you willing to leave behind your fancy lifestyle? The Roman soldier that day when he came to Jesus, the moment he hit his knees and bowed down to a Jew, the people that they hated, the moment he did that, he was in danger of losing his life. His career, his house could be burned down. He risked everything. That's what it takes for a miracle. Look at Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, everybody say disciples. What is Jesus looking for today? Everybody say disciples. You see, that's not just a Christian. That's not just a churchgoer. That's not just a Catholic, a Protestant. That is a different thing right there. We need to be disciples. Everybody say one, two, three. Disciples. If anyone would come after me, He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. 
Let's say right now your dreams come true. You get as big as a rap star, as big as a baseball player can possibly be. Make all these millions, billions of dollars. What good is it for you or I to gain the entire world? And when Jesus comes back with the glory of his angels, he parts the sky and he steps foot on this earth and he judges your life. And he says to you, what have you done? What good will it be to show him the whole world? He wants your soul. He wants your life. Jesus Christ is the only one who deserves all of you. Not a church, not a person, not even your own family. Jesus Christ died for us. And he says, if you want to come to me, you must now die, deny yourself. It's not about your flesh. Your cross, you pick it up. What happened to Jesus on the cross? Did they tickle him with it? Platinum, uh, gold plated with platinum and gold and diamonds, bling, bling. What happened on that cross, y'all? What'd they do to him on that cross? Somebody shout it out. They killed him. They crucified him. Jesus said, deny yourself. Take up your execution and follow me. People say, I get offended a lot. People come to church, oh, I get offended. This person said something to me. You ever been to a funeral, saw a dead person, they ever get offended? You're dead. You don't, it's not about what you feel anymore. Well, I don't, I don't feel like people in the church like me. So what? You come to church. You keep giving to the, to, to the people here. You say, when I go out witnessing, they don't always listen to me. So what would they say to you? Listen to me. The moment you become a Christian, you no longer belong to yourself. You belong to God. And every single one of us, for the sinner, you need to come and die to yourself. Your sins will damn your soul to hell. But Jesus Christ died for you. Now it's your choice. Do you live for yourself or do you die to yourself and live for him? And then that's for sinners. Now all the Christians here, they would say, okay, pastor, I've accepted the Lord. I believe in Jesus. Now I say to you once again, deny yourself. You're 13 years old. You feel like having sex with a girl. Deny yourself. It's not about you anymore. Somebody looks funny at you in the hallways. You want to fight them. Deny yourself. Your fight will cost you your reputation. You are a Christian. Live like a Christian and die like a Christian. We are here to be different in this world. I am so sick and tired. And I always say to hell with religion. I'm tired of people wearing the cross but not carrying the cross. It's time that Jesus Christ makes a difference in your life and the friends around you know that he's in your life. It's time for real Christians to show what a real God can do in a real hurting world. It's not about how you carry your cross or around your neck. Are you carrying it in your heart? How do we fight temptation? Well, Joe, how did you wait to have sex till you were married? Because I died to my sexual desires and the urges and all the filth that the media feeds me. Sex and, and, and this perverted lifestyle. I had to die to that. I had to shut off the TV. Pastor, how did you stop selling drugs? Because I had to leave my friends. I couldn't be with my friends anymore. Pastor, how did you never get in a fight again? Because I had to stop being around messy people. I died. Jan uh, November 5th, 1995, Joe Wyrostek died. It's not me today before you. I just said, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. My Lord and Savior is my shepherd. I am a sheep. He loves me. And he said, look, son. You live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You live in the Burbs. You think you were real tough back there, didn't you? Look, I'm going to bring you to New Orleans. I'm going to bring you down to Masterpiece Projects, the Kalio Projects. Whoop, there it is. What do you think it was like the first time this white boy walked up into Kalio Projects? 
What do you think it was like the first time I saw gunshots go off? What do you think it was the first time I saw a woman get beat? I never saw any of that. What do you think it was like the first time I saw 20 dudes just maul another dude? What do you think it was like the first time when I'm trying to go to bed hearing gunshots? What do you think it was like the first time when I'm standing in the middle of the block like right now and the thing was so hot with 20 on each side with bats and bricks and everything? These are the kids. What do you think it was like? I had to die to myself. Living in a house with roaches in the projects? I said, I'm here for Christ. And I saw people saved in the Calio projects. And I saw people change. But I've also done more funerals than I did college and high school graduations. And then God says to me, he says, all right, you think that was tough? Now I'm going to take you up here to Chicago. You're going to start all over again. First you were the only white boy with all brothers. Now you're going to be with the gente and Latinos. And I'm like, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. I'm like, I don't know them like I should. And then I come here, and it's just like, I remember the first time I was driving and seeing the South. Every time you see somebody, you got to wave, because if you don't wave, that means you're doing something shady, and they don't like that. So you got to be like, hey, what's going on? Hey, how y'all doing? What's up? What's up? You got to talk to everybody. So we roll into a graduation party here, and I'm just in Chicago, and there's like these four dudes right there. So I'm wanting to be cool. I'm just wanting to be cool. I'm just the gringo, you know, just, hey, what's up? And all of a sudden, it's like, it's like gang signs. They thought I was doing something, I don't know, gang signs coming up. And then they all start getting up and they start walking towards the car. I'm just like rolling down the window. Sorry, it's just me, the gringo. Leave me alone. And I had to start all over again. And let me tell you all something. I mean, I know I play around and I kind of get my little, my little feminine voice sometimes. But I want to tell you something. I'm one of the most homophobic people you ever meet. I love to, you know, wrestle around, kind of play with guys in a, in a goofy way. But when somebody's really gay and like really flamboyantly gay, it's like, okay, dude, you all stay over there. You're like, I was playing, slapping my friend's butt, but I was just playing, all right? I don't want nothing, nothing down there, all right? In the locker room, it's like, you know, like I'm changing my clothes. It's like I don't feel comfortable. But then you know what the Lord says? Go to Belmont and Clark. So now the Lord brings me like a sheep, and I am like so down there up in the thing. Are you listening to me? I am like down there, man, with the hente on the down low. And, man, I'm talking to cross dressers. I am so serious, man. But you see, you got to be willing to leave something behind. And go where God wants you to go. This centurion soldier was willing to leave behind everything. What you willing to leave behind? Number four, write it down. What you willing to leave behind? You want to see a miracle? What are you going to leave behind? What's it going to take for you to get right with God? You're going to leave some friends? You're going to turn off Beyonce and all that junk that they'd be telling you? The next thing we see that the centurion did is when he was willing to humble himself. Man, that's what I'm telling you, man. When I went to the projects, it was like, man, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I literally had to ask people. I'm like... So what's that dude doing over there? And they're like, he is selling drugs. And I'm like, okay. Why is that policeman not doing anything to that guy selling drugs? Because that guy over there in the Escalade has paid off that dude right there. Okay. So that's how it works. And I guess that's how it works. I mean, I had to learn. Because I was just like, 911, there's drug dealers in the projects. Help, help. You know, and I'm like, they had to teach me. And I was like, okay, that's how it works. You see, I had to learn to humble myself. See, with this this centurion, he had to say, okay, I've already gone to all these Roman people, 
and that didn't work. I got to go to Jesus. Now, how does this happen? Well, I fall to my knees. I got to beg the man. I got to show this man that I'm not too proud, that I don't think I'm better than. And you see, Jesus Christ was not even just a man. He was God, the God man. He was God in the flesh. He fell at his feet, y'all, and just worshiped him. Man, that's why when we come here and we're, we're worshiping God, yes, we don't see him like that man saw him, but in our hearts we know his spirit is here, and we ought to recognize that and respond to him with respect and with honor, man, like men and women of God. Amen? Come on, I said like men and women of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now look at this, number two. What needs will you bring to Jesus? What needs? Number five, what will you bring to Jesus? What problem did this man have that nobody else could help him with? His son was dying, right? Nobody could help him. His son was dying. What do you need help with? I'm not talking like I need help with my homework. I'm talking about what's really on the inside. You've already heard my story today. What did Joe need November 5th, 1995, dude? I needed to get off drugs. I needed to stop fighting. I needed to stop hating myself. I needed to stop wasting my life. I could not figure out why I keep doing the same things over and over and the same things keep happening to me over and over again. I hated my life. I couldn't figure it out, man. I could not change. I tried to change. I said, I'll try to hang out with these other friends. I had no wisdom, no knowledge of how to get out of that situation. That was me. So when I came to Jesus, I said, Lord, help me, God. What's on your heart, man? What is in your soul today that nobody else can help you with? I'm telling you, bring it to Jesus. Look to me to, with, with me to Matthew 16. Come on, everybody turn your Bible, Matthew 16. Or rather, Philippians 4. I'm sorry. Everybody go to your Bibles, Philippians 4. Just look up here. Somebody say, bring it to Jesus. I'm glad you all are here, man. You know why I'm so happy to see this place filled? Everyone listen to me. Everyone look up at me. I love you. You know why I'm so happy you're here? Because hopefully you'll bring something to Jesus. That's what this place is about. Bring something to Jesus. If you don't feel like raising your hands, you don't got to raise your hands. We're not going to force you. If you don't want to pray, don't pray. That's all right. We're not going to force anybody to bring something to Jesus. What I ask, number one, is, of course, don't be disrespectful. And then, number two, I ask you to think about it. Now, for the rest of us that come here, the believers, the disciples, man, I want to tell you something. God cares about you. God loves you, Leilani. God cares about you, Jerry. God cares about you, Joey. And my friend right here, my visitors right here, God cares about you guys. And Elliot going back to college back in Philly. Man, God loves you, my brother. And everybody on this side, Alyssa and Hillary and, and Israel, God loves you guys. He wants us to bring stuff to him. He wants you to talk to him today. Here's the thing. It doesn't always work the way we want it to work. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But I want to tell you something that God always loves to hear. That is your prayers. Never forget that. I don't care how many times they tell you in your schools, wherever you're at, your family, oh, prayer don't change anything. That is a lie. God hears your prayers. Sometimes just you praying will change the situation. Just you getting on your knees and humbling yourself, you can instantly feel the change. But other times it doesn't happen when you want it to happen. But I want to tell you something. Never give up faith. I mean, I could keep you here all day talking about faith. I could talk to you about Martin Luther King Jr. and faith. Man, that man was a Christian. That man understood that God could separate, I mean, uh, take away segregation and bring races together. Man, that man did not quit. 
You have to believe that God is with you. You may have to suffer. You may go through hard times, but never give up. Somebody say, I look at Philippians 4, verse 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. See, y'all got to love Jesus, man. What do you do when you bring your needs to God? Maybe somebody here today is bringing their needs to God and saying, this is my family. Rejoice in God. Maybe right now your family is not the greatest family in the whole world. But you know what? You've got to rejoice in God. Let's start right here. You know, we're doing praise and worship. Now you can sit right here and you can say to yourself, man, I don't believe in you, God. You haven't done anything for me. My mom, she leaves, she leaves the family. I'm with my dad or my dad has left the family with my mom. And you're not real. And you can just stand there during praise and worship. While everybody else is, you know, jumping around, twirling around. You can just stand there and just say, I don't believe in you. Well, guess what? You're never going to see a miracle that way. You will stay that way. Nothing will change that way. So you can be guaranteed that exactly the way you are is exactly the way you came here. That's how you're leaving out of here. Nothing will change because you're not doing it God's way. Now, you can sit here, too, while I'm preaching. Excuse me, my brother. And while I'm preaching, you could just say to yourself, man, man, this guy's just preaching. I don't even know why he's preaching. It's already what, man? It's about 9.50. Man, what are we going to do after service, brother? What you want to do? Man, you want to go hang out, man? We're going to smoke some weed. You want to go talk to our friends, do whatever. Man, what you want to do, man? You want to keep sucking on that necklace like that, man? I bet you that's good, man. Then all my friends laugh around me. Man, we ain't even paying attention. What's he now talking about? He's all sweating, hot. Look at him, man. Look at him in red in the face. You can just sit there. You can just waste the whole time you're here. And you can just walk out of here the same exact way you came. Nothing had changed. It was just like you went to the bowling alley. It was just like you went to your friends. But somebody up in here has got to rejoice in God if they want to see a miracle. Listen to me, young soldier. Rejoice in God. I don't feel like it. Well, rejoice in them anyway. People will make fun of me. Man, twirl around anyway. People are going to call me a fool. They crucified that fool. Love him anyway. They're going to put you down. Who cares? It's love the man. Rejoice in Jesus. It doesn't matter what people think. If you came here for the man and you want to worship the man, give him your heart. He will change your life. See, that's serious, man. That is serious. Forget what people think. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all your understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Man, I'm going crazy. I don't know what's going on. People at school hating on me, but I'm going to sing to Jesus. I'm singing to you, Lord, even in the midst of my hurt. I love Jesus, holy and anointed one. Oh, what's that? I'm feeling some peace coming on me. I don't understand it in my mind. I shouldn't be happy right now. I should be freaking out, but I feel Jesus, and I feel all right. I want to praise him even more. You see, you've got to get out from where you are to get to where you've never been, and how you get there is through praise. That's what I'm talking about. you got to learn how to praise God. 
Man, when you bring your needs to God, the Bible doesn't say bring your prayers and petitions with all your self-pity. Oh, woe is me. Nobody likes me. God never hears me. Man, the Bible doesn't say talk to him like that. The Bible says thank him. Come with thanksgiving. You may not have all that you want, but you already got some things you need. Start off with the obvious. Oh, God. I thank you for the air that I breathe. Oh, God, I thank you for the eyes that I can see with. Oh, God, I thank you for every blood vessel carrying the heartbeats through my life, oh, God, so I can stand here. I thank you for every brain cell turned on today. Now, God, I thank you for what you've already done, and I now bring to you my prayer request. Change me. Change my family. And I know you can do it because you are my God. Y'all can get excited any time. Amen. I'm preaching better than you shouting. I'm preaching better than y'all help me. Some of y'all need to help me tonight. Come on. I came to talk about Jesus. I came to talk about getting on fire for God. Man, why do do I play worship music in my car? Because I'm getting down with Jesus. Tears coming down my eyes. Still can't make sense of anything. But I'm worshiping Jesus. With those tears, I'm saying, Lord, I love you and I trust you. Lost my sister drinking and driving, tears coming down my eyes. But Jesus, I still love you, holy and anointed one. You see, man, get out of your self-pity. Get, I see the need, the need, the need, the thing in your life can get you so depressed. That centurion could have got so depressed. My son is dying. There's no hope. Nothing's going to change. He could have got so depressed. That would have been his life. Man, these streets are always calling my name. These people always tempting me. It's always so hard to walk away from a fight. The drugs, I like them so much. They get me high and make me forget. You can have all this stuff in your mind, but you got to come to Jesus and say, man, to hell with all that, man. I got to come to this man, Jesus, I need you, Lord. Young ladies, you got to get to the place where a relationship with a guy is not what satisfies your soul. Ladies, guys can leave you high and dry, and even the best of us still can't fill up your hurt inside. Man, you got a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. Stop looking forward in a guy in a relationship on MySpace and texting till 3 in the morning. Listen to me. You need to learn how to sing to God. You need to learn how to see yourself as his daughter because he loves you. And when you can cry out, Papi, Abba, Father. Father, I need you. You will feel love, ladies, like you've never felt before. When you come to him, you will feel the peace of God. The peace of God is worth more than money can buy. The peace of God, the Bible says, transcends all your understanding. This man's on his knees, and he's begging Jesus, I need you. I need you. And all of a sudden, God says, it's done. And now he takes him at his word. He has peace. He can trust the Lord. He can trust God. He can say, I know that my God is on time. Some of you want to go to college, and you're like, nobody in my house is going to college. No, one, no one's ever been a doctor, and it's foolish for me to even say it to my friends because they laugh at me, think I'm some dork. But you know what? You need to learn how to bring that to God every day in prayer. God, I ask you to help me. Bring me to college. Give me the ability to remember what I learned in school, and God will meet you. Peace will come over your life. You can live in a drug dealer home. You can live in a wrecked family, but Jesus Christ will be with you. And listen to me, baby boy, baby girl, you will be in college as a testimony to Jesus Christ because he keeps his word. Oh, I, y'all didn't shout for that. I said, Jesus keeps his word. 
Man, I got so many people right now in college that never thought they would be. I tell you all the time, you heard her testimony. Esau Lee, her mother and dad doing heroin. She has to move out of her family's house in high school, going to Lane Tech, sleeping on people's couches, but never missed a day of school. Then she goes to college with honors, with perfect attendance records, and then she's blessed there. She meets her husband there, and I did her wedding ceremony last summer. God is blessing you, man. If you will stay with God, he will continue to bless you. You just got to be at peace and know he is on your side. You want to leave drugs? You got to praise your way out. You may look crazy. That's the only way out. That's the only way out. You want to get away from the family troubles? You want to get away from family troubles? Talk to some of our people up in here that when they get home, they got to get into their closet because that's the only place where there's not yelling. That's the only place that's safe. And they get in there, that closet, and they get on their knees, and they say, God, I know that you're real, and I'm coming to you, and I'm thanking you, and I need you to show up, God. And he does. You feel depressed. You feel angry. Come to Jesus Christ with praise on your lips, with faith in your heart, and he will show up. If you all believe it, can you say amen? Take him at his word. Look at your neighbor and say, take him at his word. Take him at his word. Look at number six. What did the man do to receive his miracle? What did that man do, that centurion? First, what did he have to do? Leave everybody behind. Then what does he do? He brings his need to Jesus. Jesus, this is why I'm here. My son is dying. Now what did he have to do? He had to take him at his word. Jesus just looked at him. Your son is healed. Your college education is paid for. Your wife is on the way, Adam. Cindy, your future's already been planned, and it's blessed, and it looks good. Jared, your family's on the way. Your prosperity is here. God is providing. That's all Jesus did. Jesus just spoke the word. Now, obviously, since he is God, the Bible comes out from his lips. But now what do we have? We have the pages of the Bible. You need to learn to take Jesus at his word. What, what area of life do you want to take him at his word? I want you to look up here at this chart right here. What part do you need right now? Here's some burden, sickness. Take him at his word. John 5:14 says when we get together and pray, God shows up and heals. Broken heart, maybe you're here today, you suffer with a broken heart. Maybe someone's abused you. Maybe you've just been hurt in life. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, God heals the brokenhearted. Financial trouble, maybe you, you need a job. Maybe you need scholarships and loans to college. The Bible says in Proverbs 10:10, 10, 10, that scripture I told you before, that God gives wealth to the righteous and adds no trouble to it, no stress. God will bless you. Marriage troubles, that might be for your family. What Mark 10:9 says, what God has brought together, no man can tear apart. Tell your mom and dad hey you're all fighting my pastor got a word for you let's call him up he's going to share it with you he's going to pray for you i've seen marriages come back together maybe somebody's in here with worry and fear you're always afraid the bible says don't be afraid trust in god he's on your side depression and anxiety i know already right now we have young people depressed stressed out in their mind you know what the bible says be anxious for nothing but cast all your cares on god the moment you start feeling yourself getting stressed out talk to jesus give your problems to 
the Lord. He's the best counselor. Addictions and bad habits. Some of you may be just struggling with something. Smoking, drinking, cussing, pornography, lying. I don't know what it is, what it could be. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Y'all get excited anytime. Come on. Sin and temptation. Some people here say, man, I can't stop sinning. The devil's too big in my life. 1 John 3.8 says that Jesus Christ destroyed the works of the devil. That dog has been pimped by Jesus Christ. You can stomp on him and live holy and pure for Jesus Christ. Somebody says, man, pastor, I don't have any purpose, no motivation in life. Ephesians 2.10 says that you've been created with a purpose. You are God's workmanship. Somebody made this thing for a purpose. God made you for a purpose, and you can do it with his strength. If you have any of these needs, have faith in God and take him at his word and watch him bless and change your life. Amen? Woo! I'm just getting started, baby. Y'all ready to pray? Let's stand up and give the Lord a big hand clap of praise. Come on, Jesus.